right. Well, welcome, uh, welcome to our Facebook Live uh, participants. Uh, my name is Jason Parrish. I'm your Associate Artistic Director, and I'm just about to open up our stage at home to all of our Zoom participants. Uh, so give us just one sec as we let those people in. Bear with us. Wow. Here we go. Woo. All right. Good afternoon and welcome to Florida Repertory Theater's uh, virtual stage at home talkback series for Friday, May 1st, 2020. My name is Jason Parrish. I'm your Associate Artistic Director and your host for the afternoon, coming to you from my home in downtown Fort Myers. Uh, I wanna start today by thanking each one of our viewers for your support over the past month. Uh, we started this series to stay engaged with our audience during this prolonged intermission. And we couldn't have imagined uh, the following that this has gained in just four weeks. Uh, we love hearing how much you enjoy these talks and how much you learn about the artistry and the planning that goes into uh, our programming in each and every production. Uh, theater is a living art form and it's meant to be experienced live. And because of uh, what you're learning here about the business and the craft of it, uh, when it's safe to gather once more, uh, I think uh, we all think you'll come to it with, uh, with much richer understanding of what it took to get uh, the production to the stage and have a deeper appreciation for the people who made it possible. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're a repeat viewer, welcome to the discussion. Uh, we're proud to say that each week Stage at Home gains viewers from our patron base and from across the country participating in real time, uh, live on Zoom and watching on our Facebook simulcast on Facebook Live. Uh, I wanted to share an exciting new development. Uh, we're now a podcast. We're available on Spotify, Google Playlists, uh, we are av available on Anchor, Breaker, and Radio Public. So if you're listening uh, to us on one of those platforms, welcome. If you've missed an episode or you want to share a stage at home uh, with your family and friends, you can find our episodes on our YouTube, our Facebook pages, or of course you can search stage at home with an at symbol on any of those platforms. Uh, and now let's begin today's discussion, the healing power of theater and brilliant things. Uh, on February 25th, Florida Rep opened a groundbreaking one-person play uh, Every Brilliant Thing by Duncan McMillan and Johnny Donahoe. Little did we know that it would be the final uh, opening night in our 22nd season. The production ran for three of its scheduled weeks, five weeks uh, uh, before it, three of its five weeks before closing early due to the COVID-19. Uh, the production was special for us in uh, so many ways, um, and we'll get into all of that, but chief among those reasons was the partnership that sprang up because of it. So Every Brilliant Thing marked Florida Rep's first ever partnership for mental health awareness with Lee Health and Kids Minds Matter, the Pediatric Behavioral and Mental Health Initiative of Lee Health and Golisano Children's Hospital and the School District of Lee County. The partnership's goal uh, was to help broaden the discussion about mental health in our community and to offer several special student matinee performances that would reach nearly a thousand high schoolers. The dream was cut short uh, but at the time of the show's closing, 200 students had seen the production and participated in post-show talkbacks. Uh, the response was overwhelming, as you'll hear today. And on today's panel are the brilliant minds behind uh, both the production and the partnership that it created. Eleanor Holdridge, who directed the play, Michael Seitao, who starred in it, Amy Masari, uh, our resident, uh, one of our resident stage managers who stage managed the show, and also with us today is Florida Rep Ensemble member Brendan Powers, uh, and Community Outreach Coordinator. Lori Brooks is the Director of School Counseling and Mental Health Services for Lee County Schools. And Dr. Paul Simeone is the Vice President of Mental and Behavioral Health for Lee Health. So thank you all for being here with us today uh, for this week's Stage at Home. Thank you. All right. So we'll begin uh, with Michael Seitao. Michael is a professional actor uh, uh, based out of New York who took the role of the narrator. So Michael, for those of us who may not, uh, may, for those who may not know or who may not have seen the show, uh, can you tell us about the play and tell us a bit about this, how the story's told and how this play is different from uh, other plays? Sure. Uh, so it's been a couple weeks, but I think I can remember it. It is, Every Brilliant Thing is a story about a young man who, uh, who realizes he's responsible from his point of view, for his mother's happiness. So he sets about this project of making a list for her of everything he can think of that's worth living for. 
and that starts as a child's project and as we find out through the play it becomes a lifelong exploration into what it means to be happy and it's a one person show which is something I've never done before but the thing that's different about it is every time an audience comes in the narrator of the play gets to fill out the cast uh, which are characters from this narrator's life and so every night the cast is different and it's members of the audience so every night the play is a, a little bit different and uh michael tell us uh tell us also what our audiences might recognize you from uh from previous years well uh this was my fourth play third fourth fourth let's go in order lend me a tenor was my first in 2012 then 2013 uh let's see 2013 was uh arsenic and old lace followed by the same season hound of the baskervilles that you were in wait a second you were in every one <laughs> i was in you were in lend me a tenor you were in <laughs> Arsenic and Old Lace, you were in... Just a coincidence. <laughs> okay. Do I exist at Florida Rep you without you? I think not. You do now, yes. And uh, and then this, and then Every Brilliant Thing. Four. Great. Three, four. Four. And you did our play reading festival in 2008. That's right. My wife and I here. came down here to do uh, Play Lab 2017? Yeah, 2018, I believe. 2018. For the, yeah, for the burdens. Oh, that's uh, right. Great, thank you so much. Uh, Eleanor Holdridge, we'll go to you next. And I wanted to ask you, uh, so Eleanor Holdridge is a theater director and she's the chair of the drama department at Catholic University uh, in Washington, DC and uh, directed the production. So I'm interested, Eleanor, uh, in you telling our audiences how you approached this particular script and how rehearsing it might've been different uh, than a conventional play or even a conventional one person play. Yeah, that's great. Um, actually, I have done a lot of one-person plays, maybe six or seven, and I always say, when I finish one, oh, I'm done, I'm not gonna do another one. And then I end up doing one. Um, and they're wonderful things because the no matter what you're doing, the actor's only uh, scene partner really is always the audience. And whether you choose to talk to the audience or not, um, it's about finding the very specific moment-to-moment -moment track where an actor can not forget their next lines. You know, there's no other actor there to help them out. Like if you go up, if you forget your line, if you drop a prop, there's only you up there. Um, so I find it really exciting to work on. That said, this particular play, as you saw in some of the pictures that Jason was showing, is very audience interactive. And so it's almost impossible just to rely on an actor saying, um, oh, I'm imagining that the, act, that the audience will be here and I will look at that audience member. When in fact, um, audience are given pieces of paper, they have to read them, there's a specific order. And so pretty much early on, I realized that we had to get um, test audiences in. And I would say maybe five out of the six days a week of rehearsal, we actually got in this amazing amount of, of audience, of volunteers who came in and were our audiences for us. So that Michael had the chance to really see how different things could be. You know, you don't know, they would have a line. How would they say the line? What if they didn't do the thing that we thought they would do? And so it was really wonderful to work constantly on that audience and it's a very serious play but it's also comic and so you can't really um, rehearse this comedy without people laughing so that was helpful too uh, excellent and michael tell us uh, how was it for you rehearsing the play uh with with our volunteers and and uh, how did you how was that different for you it was incredible uh we had people in the rehearsal room from the very first read-through which was incredibly nerve-wracking for me. Uh, usually the first day, the first read-through is, everyone's got kind of the first day jitters, uh, but it's just you, it's just you and the team. It's the cast and, and the designers and the director, and, and it's, uh, it's safe. But um, there, were, there were probably, I don't know, 40 people who, who didn't know what they were getting themselves into. And so I started out behind the table 
and then by the end of the first day we uh, we were working with audience members and uh, it was amazing and something that we were able to do from really early on is figure out how to get these non-actors to participate in this story it's a it's a big ask to to get a, an audience member to to join in and usually when people hear audience participation or audience interaction they uh they, they want to run but uh, so we had those three weeks of having people in the room to to learn how to put people at ease and to teach them what the rules are and, and how to play the game it was incredibly yeah. informative of course uh thank you so much uh brendan uh, we'll go to you next. Brendan is a longtime Flutter Up Ensemble member and for the past uh, four seasons has been our community outreach coordinator at Flutter Rep. So Brendan, if you can tell us a bit about what that job entails and uh, how you made initial contact with uh, uh, Paul, Dr. Paul Simeone, and um, talk to us a bit about how this partnership, which we'll talk about, took, uh, took shape. Uh, yeah, sure. So first of all, thanks everybody for tuning in. This is great. So excited to see so many people. Um, community outreach coordinator, you know, among the things I do is basically come up with ways to, to spread the word in the community about Florida Rep. Um, and whether that's arranging for Greg Longenhagen, our artistic director, to go out into communities to speak, which we do a lot of every season, uh, whether it's finding uh, different programs and things that are happening with organizations that we find might um, fall in tandem with some of the shows we're doing and thematically, things like that. And then also sort of uh, digging up sponsors and making sponsor inquiries and seeing you know who wants to come on board um, and support the rep in that fashion. So with every brilliant thing, it was, this was, you know, we, we've talked a lot all of the team who, who, who did this, you know, that this really was a, a home run um, scenario. And, and it doesn't usually happen, it doesn't often happen as, as beautifully as it happened with this one. So once the Florida rep decided to do this play, we knew that the, the nature of the play was such that we had an opportunity as a theater to reach uh, the community in a really powerful way and, and to offer the community insights into resources that are here in Southwest Florida about suicide, about depression, about different things. It was just a perfect opportunity to use theater as a, uh, as a way to, to spread the word among the community about a sensitive and delicate but very important issue. So I think early on, once we knew it was part of the season, we said, okay, so, so what do we want to do with this? And we thought, one of the things we thought is, wouldn't it be really remarkable if we could have student matinees for this show. Every year at Florida Rep, at some point in the season, uh, we usually have students come to see shows um, at various times. And we thought, wouldn't it be neat for this play in particular, because of the nature of the subject matter, because of the interactive nature of it, because of the fact that it was in a, our Art Stage studio, which is a small 100-seat venue, very intimate space, what would happen if you put a hundred students in that room and you told this story to them and not only told it to them but engaged them directly in it um, so that was sort of a dream scenario we thought wow that would be just great so we kind of put that in our heads and then we thought well wouldn't why, why don't we at least share this idea with lee health because lee health might be quite interested in just what we're doing here and i this is crazy paul i just looked at my calendar and you realize it was almost a year ago today it was may may 16th when I opened the Florida Weekly, and there's an article in Florida Weekly that says Lee Health welcomes new vice president of mental and behavioral health. And I right away, I put a card in the mail and I realized that you were working up in Boston and I'm from Boston. And so mm -hmm. I sent you that card and said, hey, welcome to the town. I'd love to meet you. I'd love you to get to know what we're up to here at Florida Rep. And we had that dinner with me, you and, and Rachel Bertram, my wife. And within 10 minutes, I think we were on the same page of mm -hmm. there's something here, something really wonderful could happen. And I think we have, I think we have the mechanism in place to, to make this happen. Um, and long story short, we did. And thank you. You'll hear throughout the course of this, uh, this talk today, you'll hear how the components <laughs> came together, but it was, um, it all came together, but that's where it started and, and it really took off. Excellent. Thank you so much, Brendan. Uh, Paul Simeone, um, 
can you tell us a bit about your background and your work with Lee Health and Kids Minds Matter and why this partnership was important for you and, and uh, tell us uh, how you feel about the portion of it that was able to get off the ground? Uh, it's my pleasure. Um, first, I just want to say how delighted I am to have the opportunity to meet and be with all of you again. It was, it was a lot of fun putting this together and uh, uh, have nothing but great admiration and respect for Florida Rep, for Lori Brooks and everybody who's been involved with this. It's just been really, um, I would say it's been maybe the pinnacle of my time here thus far. So um, I came down here in November of 2018, having been recruited from Boston. I spent my entire career in Boston uh, in the, I'm a clinical psychologist by training. Um, I finished my training in Boston and then um, sort of worked in and around um, many of the major hospitals in Boston, uh, teaching, um, uh, taught at the medical school, um, uh, had a lot of leadership positions and did an, an enormous amount of clinical work, both with adolescents and adults. And uh, when it came, when our kids left to go off and do their own thing, um, my wife and I decided we might want to do something kind of interesting and challenging. And this sort of fell into my lap. So the reason it fell into my lap is that my good friends, Susan Goldie and Scott Spiesel, um, who are the founders of Kids Minds Matter, um, put me in touch with uh, John Shoma, who's the uh, CEO of Population Center for Population Health at Lee. And uh, six or eight months later, I was down here. So let me tell you a little bit about my job. So I, I sort of think about my job as, as VP Medical Director of Behavioral Health at Lee. I think about my job as really consisting of um, three major components. One is it's my job to build out a strategic vision for pediatric and adult mental health services in Southwest, I mean, in, uh, in, um, at Lee Health. Secondly, to build out a service line to sort of breathe life into that vision. And then finally, to um, convene and energize a series of community relationships with partners who are sort of pulling on the same oar. And so uh, Kids Minds Matter fits very nicely into that because it started out in 2016 as a grassroots philanthropic organization, has evolved um, um, in, into a very important regional force to increase high quality access to pediatric behavioral health services, and, and as a convener of community partners to figure out what we need to do in order to meet the, the massive need for pediatric uh, behavioral health services. So that's, that's sort of Kids Minds Matter and I'm very much a part of this new initiative in Southwest Florida to get uh, these kinds of services up and running. When I got here, I heard fabulous things about this woman named Lori Brooks, um, who everybody told me I had to meet. Um, and over some period of time, we got to talking and um, I, I asked Lori one question, which is, you know, what is it that we can do to help you? And we had a conversation about developing another program, uh, providing care navigators. But then I shared with her this opportunity um, that Brendan and I, Brendan and I had whipped up um, over a series of lunches with he and Rachel um, to bring kids in to um, essentially, uh, you know, uh, have an opportunity to deal with um, kind of mental health issues in a non-clinical way. And the thing that I wanted to have happen is I wanted to have an artistic entree into managing, you know, mental and behavioral problems in this group because we know that kids are suffering in many, many ways, both uh, quietly and not so quietly. And I also wanted to have them have an opportunity to come to the theater. I, I was sharing with Brendan that, you know, I'm a working class kid from rural Massachusetts who was never taken to the theater. And I love the theater. And so uh, anything I could do to combine those two objectives was all to the group, all to the good. And um, Laurie um, has done just a spectacular job. Her and her uh, staff, Sherry Wenzel and other colleagues um, have done a really fabulous job kind of making this a reality for the schools. So that's the partnership as I understand it. And I, I couldn't be more thrilled. This is this has exceeded my greatest expectations. And so I really appreciate what everybody has done. So I think I'll leave it there. Yeah, thanks so much, Paul. Yeah. Uh, and, and a great segue too, because I wanted to introduce next uh, Lori Brooks. Um, so Lori, if you'll tell us who you are and what it is you do at the school and um, how you approached uh, this obstacle of getting 
all of these high school students to come to the theater and uh, and also talk a bit about how you coordinated the last leg of this, which was to uh, we were going to bring our production to one of the high schools, uh, which when the schools got canceled, we couldn't do. But but that was like moving mountains. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me, and I so I appreciate the partnership and this opportunity for our students. Um, and Dr. Simeone, you're always much too kind to me. Um, this really was uh, so easy for us as a school district to embrace um, because it was a really it was a gift for our children. Uh, my history has been um, almost three decades in this school system, uh, from teacher to counselor to administrator. And, and so our children all come to school and we can meet them there with a variety of services from prevention to early intervention uh, through um, mild and moderate intervention as well. And then appropriate pathways for parents if they would like to engage in some more intensive services. And so we know our children have needs um, and really the kind of the depth and breadth of those needs um, vary from child to child, family to family, and school to school. Uh, but what we do know is that we have a responsibility first and foremost in this district to provide opportunities for prevention, for building social emotional learning skills in our children, and really helping them to build their coping skills toolbox. And so this opportunity um, as another layer to our, our partnership um, presented itself and it's an opportunity for our students to engage in healthy conversation. We know that the arts um, really blends into and lends itself to um, mental health and wellness. And so we focus a lot on the arts as a wellness um, mechanism for our students. And as Dr. Simeone said, many of our students have not been to the theater. And so this was a great opportunity to expose them to um, going to the theater um, and doing that gratis during the school day. And our field trip budget is, is very narrow. Um, as budget cuts have come through the years, our field trip opportunities for students have lessened. And this was just a phenomenal way to get our students together at the Florida Rep for them to really engage with Michael um, in this intimate setting. And it was going to be interesting how they responded. And uh, we know kids are very organic. Um, they can either really engage or in, in one of the performances, I was watching some young men in the front row and they're kind of sitting back like, yeah, I don't know if I'm really gonna engage in this, but they were listening and they were engaged despite their body language. And I think that was really the neatest thing for us to see students, A, come to the theater, B, engage in an intimate, audience-involved performance around a difficult topic, and then have talkbacks with our students about um, mental illness, about suicide, um, and really engage them on a deep level. And they took us there. We didn't have to do much to get them to engage in those conversations. And that was really phenomenal to watch. Yeah, it really, really was. Uh, speaking for myself and, and Brendan and uh, Greg Longenhagen, our artistic director, we, we were in lots of planning meetings uh, over the months leading up to this uh, and trying to put all the pieces together. Uh, and I, uh, I honestly, I don't think any of us was quite sure what to expect when we brought uh, all of those students into the theater to see this particular play uh, and because of how interactive it was and how intimate it gets um, and, and difficult it is. So Michael, Eleanor, uh, and Amy, our stage manager, if each of you would talk about what was it like uh, performing this for adults, uh, Florida Rep's patrons, versus what was it like performing for students. Uh, Eleanor, did you do anything to help prepare Michael for that eventual shift? Uh, and Amy, what was it like for you uh, watching the two different audiences and helping Michael to interact? So Michael, uh, first to you, uh, what was the difference between the two groups? Uh, well, the difference for me was I was more scared of the high school students than I was of the adults because they, the high school judgment. <laughs> I, I don't know why I just have this fear of high school students. No, I, I think it's because I know they have a very low tolerance for untruthfulness. 
and they can spot it immediately and and they're not shy about about letting that be known so uh so getting into that it was very confronting uh the whole um the play itself wasn't any different we we didn't really plan on and and maybe you can uh Add to this, Eleanor. I, I don't remember, but I don't think we had any plans to change it at all or approach it from a different perspective doing it for the high school students. I just remember being terrified and so curious to see how it hit them. And after the first one, I was just blown away by how receptive they were to it and how it just kind of opened them up and how insightful they were about their response to it. It was incredible. One, one of the talkbacks, one of the kids said, what did he say? He said something like, it seems like, and, and this will make sense to the people who saw the play. It seems like the, 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 it seems like your character is trying to find ways to, to make himself happy and finding all the things in life that make him happy. But it seems like just as much the act of trying to find these things was making him happy. And Paul, I think it was you that said this. You said, you said, said this is my memory of it. You said, kid, <laughs> that's not what you said, but in my memory, you said, kid, you just unlocked cognitive behavioral therapy. And I, I, it was just, it was amazing to see a teenager just work that through in real time absolutely true yeah uh eleanor uh did you approach it any differently did you give michael any sort of different um uh wisdom or or direction as as uh, as you worked through the process knowing that there were going to be students watching or what well, did you expect uh well we talked a lot about different things about um you know, there is the one sort of marriage proposal in the middle of it, and it's very chaste. And, and we talked a lot about, you know, can we, how would it be if you picked someone who was young? Like, how would that be now? I mean, we also talked about what would happen if you picked someone who couldn't actually, you know, an older person who might not be able to kneel on the ground. But it did seem like that there was, that, that there was some worry there, you know, would we be stepping over a boundary no matter how chaste the language or how sweet, actually, it's a very sweet moment it is. Um, and then I think we also talked about maybe using the counselors to be the counselor, um, but that basically, you know, this, the first part of this project is Michael's on when the audience comes in. The very first audience member, Michael's already on stage and he's casting it. So, I mean, I think that's the most interesting thing that shifted every night. Did you ever have a, have a high schooler propose to you, Michael? I think, yes. Yeah. Yes, I think most of the time when we had the high schoolers in, we, we did the high schooler mm -hmm. uh, do the proposal. Uh, and I, I think that's right. I think we found that just because of the nature of the moment, it was, there was nothing inappropriate about uh, this, this young person expressing love to another person. Uh, it and, and they just went with it. I remember there was one, I think it was the first high school performance. The, uh, the person I got to get to be um, Sam, I saw it in her eyes when I, when I like first asked her to do it there was just this fear that crossed her face, but she went for it. And it was just so brave. It was just such a brave thing to see because you could tell it was not something that she was, that she had signed up for. It was not something that she had expected. And she just went for it and, and she was just there. She was right there with it. It was amazing. Yeah, they were remarkable uh, uh, throughout. Uh, having watched both of the student matinees, it was just, uh, it was magical. Uh, Amy, I wanted to ask you, uh, tell us how your job as a stage manager might have been uh, different on this particular play. What other things did you have to manage uh, than normal? And as the mother of two teens, uh, were you expecting this response or uh, is this exactly what uh, you expected of them? Um, it was different in that I was also stage managing volunteers. Lots oh, and of lots course. of volunteers coming in that were in for big surprises 
and that had a complete blast. Some of them um, wanted to act a whole lot. <laughs> um, and some of them were very shy and it was just really a wonderful process to get to deal with all of our volunteers. That was super fun. Um, I do have two teenagers, a 17 and a 19 year old that got to see the show with audiences. Um, I didn't let them in during the rehearsal process. So they came into it not knowing what to expect and they both completely loved it. It was a really rewarding experience. I loved doing the student matinees. That was my favorite um, because the kids, there's, there's no threshold on what they're open to. They're, they were just ready to roll with us. And um, I remember the day Lori was talking about with three young men in the front row that were a bit too cool for school, but we had them. They were completely engaged. And those post-show discussions were the best. They really had great questions for the adults in the room, as well as their peers. It was yeah, they really Absolutely. did. And uh, if if Lori and Paul, you you would also talk about um, uh, who else was at those talkbacks. It wasn't just the cast, and it wasn't it wasn't just Michael and me and you, uh, but also Lori. Uh, you coordinated uh, counselors to come. Yes? <clears throat> Correct. Um, we had our, uh, we asked our school counselors uh, to chaperone our students because we knew that, especially on the bus ride home and beyond, there would be additional discussion. And, and there was. Um, one of the schools reported that uh, half of the bus ride home was very quiet and she felt the students were still processing. And then all of a sudden, one just started talking and then the whole bus is talking. And they actually had a debrief that was even beyond the talkback on the way back to the school. And, um, and that was really a nice way for us to engage in the talk back. And, and Paul too, uh, you can talk as well as, um, about the staff you had there. But we also wanted our counselors to experience this with the students so they could continue in the days beyond to have these discussions. And, and so uh, Dr. Simeone with Lee Health, you had some amazing folks there as well. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we had a number of people who uh, kind of rotated through to sort of help in the way that Lori just talked about it. And, you know, I have to say that at least for uh, the performances that I was a part of, I, I was deeply moved by um, what I saw, but I, I never felt like people needed to be, you know, helped beyond a certain point or rescued. There was something about, there was something about um, the, the way the, the whole performances arranged themselves that was, I think, sort of self-containing. Uh, there, there was just, there was something about, um, yeah, there was something about the atmosphere in these performances that was, um, I, oh, Laurie used the term organic. I thought there was something both organic and curative. And I just wanna, I just wanna make one other point. I hadn't thought about this until I, uh, until we were talking today. There's a beautiful idea in psychoanalysis that was put on the table by the British psychoanalyst Donald Winnicott, who wrote a lot about play, but he also wrote a lot about this idea of creating transitional spaces. And his idea was that people learn to become related by mother and child creating, co-creating this space where they meet for the first time. And that's where relatedness gets developed. It's a really beautiful idea. And you can imagine that it's really, really relevant to the training of psychotherapists really relevant to relationships in general. But the reason why I'm raising it is that um, I watched Michael um, at, and I think sort of channeling the good works of Amy and Eleanor um, really create that transitional space. Um, I, I'm not sure anyone else could have done it except Michael and he did it lovingly and he did it in a way that created a kind of safe place. And so that kind of organic opening up that we that we all saw and reveled in really was not by accident. I'm not sure other somebody else could have done it, but they did. Because um, I watched him, I watched him do it for the whole, and you know, I'm, a, I'm an old psychotherapist, I'm an old psychoanalytically trained psychotherapist who watches that stuff very carefully. And uh, Michael, you were masterful. And, um, and I think it was a gift. It was a gift to all of us, but I think it was especially a gift to the kids. So thank you very much. I want to echo that because you really pulled our students in 
And uh, that, that's precisely it right there. I don't think anyone else could have pulled that off. And so this, this team from Florida Rep and Michael, you as the primary, um, you were the play. Um, without that dynamic there, I don't think we would have had the response we had from our students. Uh, they were coming up to Michael asking him if they could hug him at the end of the talk back. I mean, it was really amazing. It impacted them on a deep level. And we see all these series that unfortunately are on TV that many times our adolescents watch um, and they're not messages of hope about mental illness and how we can, we can work through um, and, and also with family members that struggle, um, we can work through this and we are able to come out, um, you know, as, as um, happy individuals and manage these things just like other illnesses. Mental illness is not different. Um, it's just there's stigma around it and people have, don't talk about it. And our, our students want to talk about this. This is a different generation and they want to have these conversations and they want to uh, work through these things. And in an environment such as this, I would much rather have them experience this live at the Florida Rep and have these conversations than to watch a TV series by themselves that does not leave them with a message of hope about this. And we have no idea, or their parents don't, that the that they're engaging in this, watching these these shows alone. This was such a marvelous experience for them. I couldn't agree more. I, let me just, I, I don't mean to hog the time, but I just want to piggyback on what Laurie said, that in this, one of the things that I've noticed about, about living in this COVID, um, sort of in the middle of this pandemic where there's all this isolation, I have a great appreciation now for the fact that the the theater allowed these kids to be part of an experience together, uh, not alone as Lori talked about it, and with uh, a community of adults who were interested. Um, and so the fact that they could experience Michael's majesty and uh, in the loving company of adults who cared, um, I thought was, I just have a greater appreciation given all the isolation that we've all been dealing with in the last handful of weeks. I, I know that I've been affected by the isolation and I would love to have that community back and anxiously awaiting that. So just wanted to say that just as a post. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for saying that. Um, uh, for those of you watching on Zoom and for those of you watching on Facebook, if you have uh, a question for Michael or uh, Paul or Lori or Eleanor on our panel or Amy, uh, now's the time to put it in the chat window. Uh, if you do have any questions about the partnership uh, or about the, um, the production itself, uh, let us know uh, in the chat. Uh, Michael, I, while, while people are letting that, uh, uh, thinking about that, uh, I wanted to ask, uh, everyone's talked about your performance, uh, which was remarkable. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, we didn't tell talk us... about my performance, Jason. Have I haven't gotten did. a chance to talk about so, that. Uh, so now you get a chance to. Uh, so tell us, um, did you have any improv background? You know, what's the background that um, that you brought to this, and uh, did that help you, or uh, how did you approach the the unknown factor of what are these audience members going to do every night? I, I know I have several very talented friends back in New York who have intense improv background, improv training backgrounds. So I uh, I would be embarrassing myself to say I have any sort of imp formal improv training whatsoever. I showed up at the Upright Citizens Brigade uh, training school and I did their six week intensive. So, uh, so to them, no, I have zero improv training. That being said, I did uh, attend a, a Meisner training program, a, a two year Meisner training program which for the first year includes uh, an acting training that is akin to improv, uh, not in a comedic sense, but in a, uh, in a sense that you're, you're spontaneously responding to, uh, to what your partner is giving you. Uh, so if I were to answer yes to the question of do I have any improv training, the closest training I have is, is a, a Meisner program at the Maggie Flanagan studio. That being said, uh, how I applied that to uh, to the people in the room, 
I think we made a contract without saying it out loud that we would all just be, we would all just be real with each other. And I knew the rules, I knew the script, and I, I had to look each person in the eye and, and kind of love them for whatever they gave me. If I wasn't expecting it, I had to love them for it. And we would go from there. So in a lot of ways, I let them just, we just let them write the script and respond as any of us would. Uh, if someone said something surprising, that's, I mean, that's such a gift. Um, yeah. There's a, <laughs> maybe Jason just saw the memory that, that just flashed across <laughs> my face. So there's a, a character in the play that I cast from the audience named Ms. Patterson. And the character has a, uh, a sock dog. And uh, usually she, I have her take her own sock off and use it as a sock puppet. But it's Florida, so nobody has socks. So we had a sock <laughs> on hand. And uh, so we have this interaction with me as a, as a child and her as the counselor talking to me through her sock puppet. And then later in the play, I come back to her as an adult and I call her and I ask to speak with the sock puppet. And remember, she doesn't have the script. So I ask to see the sock puppet, who she, she has named. Let's just call him Steve. Uh, so I say, can I talk to Steve? And she said, no, Steve's gone. Steve died. And uh, <laughs> and I really, I, I didn't expect that. Wow. Um, so, so you have to roll with it. So I rolled with it. I said, I, I just really need to speak with someone now. And she kind of got it. She's like, oh, okay, I, I think I, <laughs> I have to re-steer this ship. And, uh, and we worked our way through it. It's amazing. It's such a gift as an actor, and I'm assuming as an audience member, to not have any idea what's going to happen next. It was incredible. It was um, just the, the best. It was the best. Excellent. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, let's see. We have a question here from Bernadette. Um, I think it's a question. Let me read it. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Eleanor, um, I wanted to ask you how 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 did this rate, you know, in 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 uh, from rehearsal process uh, to opening? Uh, how was this in comparison uh, to some some recent work or to or to doing a, a more conventional multi-person play? Well, I think it was surprising because again, every every audience was different, so it was more like instead of refining the moments, you know, sometimes in theater we call it polishing by being more and more specific. You know, if it's noises off, you work on the door slams. Um, if it's a musical, you might like tinker with some phrasing. But here, because it's so up in the air what can happen, it was more looking, you know, looking at a run through or looking at a rehearsal and saying, okay, so how can we, you know, if it goes off the rails here, how can we get it back onto the track of the story? Because, you know, everything that Michael says is, is absolutely right about that everything is unexpected in the moment, which is of course what you want for all theater. But then there still is a narrative. And if you get off the rails too much, you start losing the threat, the forward uh, trajectory of the story. So it's, it, it, the rehearsals were more like a balancing act. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. And thank you, Sonny and Bernadette for your, uh, for your comments. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, we were able to stream this production uh, for just a few weeks and Sonny mentioned she was able to see it streamed uh, because her performance that she was going to see uh, live ended up getting canceled. So. Uh, 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 wanted to say thank you to everyone who made that streaming possible from uh, Greg, our artistic director, down to Joe Daffeldecker, who f uh, was one of the videographers who edited it together. And so a number of audiences uh, got to see it uh, who might not otherwise have been able to. So uh, we're excited about that. M Michael, Amy, uh, I wanted to ask you uh, before uh, we start to wrap up, uh, the two of you were able to um, we, we were performing this as we as we were getting close to what we knew was going to be a shutdown. Can you talk about uh, what were those audiences like? I know that that was uh, a stressful week for everyone. So I wanted to ask, um, uh, what was your impression of the people coming to the theater those weeks? Uh, I, I remember it being just a very positive, uh, collective, uh, positive experience. Yeah, it was incredible. It was, uh, you know, Amy and I would, would have a kind of a a little chat every night uh, before people started coming to just prepare for 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 the 
the inevitable drop in numbers uh, because people were possibly getting concerned or scared for their safety. So we, uh, we would have a little chat about it just so we kind of had our heads on straight, but we really wouldn't know how many people were going to be there until, until we walked out, until the doors closed. And, uh, and the numbers did get less and less as people were, were kind of taking precautions for themselves. And uh, that being said, the people who were there were just 100% there. And it blew me away because I was expecting to kind of have to wrangle them out of this reality. You know, you walk outside and there's a global pandemic going on. So I, we weren't sure how we were supposed to deal with that in this, in the world of this play. And we didn't have to, they just did the work for us. Uh, they just sat down and it was another night at the theater. It was incredible. And I had a chance to thank them at the, at the beginning when I kind of addressed the audience. And uh, we all just decided to buy in for 70 minutes or 65 minutes if I was in a rush. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. The oh. audience was just ready. They were ready to be there. They were ready to let go of the outside world and join us for that 65 or 70 minutes. And it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Excellent. Uh, Tim asks, uh, he's curious how you manage the added lines, uh, the cards, uh, how to count the brilliant things and how Michael cast his audience actors. So if Eleanor, Michael, and Amy, if you wanna um, quickly answer the question about how we managed all those, those intricacies for this show. The cards themselves, was that your question? How yeah, we... the cards. Uh, so how did you manage, how did we know uh, who got what cards and things like that? And uh, also Michael, how did you pick out your people? Was there a process to that? Oh, great. Uh... Amy, do you want do you want to start or? I'll I? just say that we had a fresh pack of cards for every performance, and you got them during your half hour, which was before the audience's half hour, because your show started then, and uh, then you took them from there. Yes, there were a series of things that uh, that kept all of us up at night, uh, and one of them was the issue of these cards, and we a series of decisions were made. One being the set of cards get, get kind of tossed every night. So we knew we had all 65 or however many cards there are that I hand out at the beginning of the show. And so that was, that was not something I, I really worried about. In terms of remembering the numbers, uh, it was not the way I kind of traditionally learn a script. I just had, because there's just, there's no way, there's no way to kind of rationalize why I say 253,263 at that moment. I just, we just had to drill it. So Amy and I would, would drill it before every performance just so I could, uh, just so I could sleep at night. Uh, in terms of how I cast it, during rehearsals, we had lots of conversations about who these characters are, uh, you know, what kinds of people are well suited for say the school counselor, Ms. Patterson, what kind of person would make a good dad and play the, the specific game that dad plays. Uh, so I would be prepared to have a kind of a 30 minute casting session every night. So everyone would come in and I would try and speak to as many people as I could within those 30 minutes as I was passing out the cards. And, uh, and I was doing two things at that time. I was, I was trying to, you know, get an, an idea for what type of people these, these people were, uh, whether they were troublemakers, whether they were people who would really kind of sign on for a, for a little play. And the other thing I was trying to do is, is really set the stage. And I'd, I'd never heard of that, what Paul said, the transitional space. Is that what, what yes. the transitional space? Yeah. I think that's just so spot on because we, I mean, me and Eleanor and, and Amy, we had those conversations at length. How do we create that? We didn't call it a transitional space, but that's that's right on. How do we how do we inform these people what they're in for without giving it all away? Because the the surprise of it is part of the brilliance of it. So, in the way I interacted with people during those thirty minutes, in the quality of of our interactions, I tried to insert a little bit of, yes, we are about to talk about something that you may not be comfortable with. That being said, I think we're going to have a good time. 
will you come along for the ride? And the ask in there was the most important bit and kind of getting their buy-in in whatever interaction I had. And however you, it, however you approached it, it certainly worked out. Uh, having seen so many performances, they, they were so with you every single step of the way. Uh, I want to take it now to Greg Longenhagen, our artistic director, uh, wants to say a few words. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. And thanks, everybody. And I, I apologize because I actually have to jump on another call. I know we're probably shortening up this as well. But um, I just wanted to uh, make two comments to the group and then, and then end with a question. Um, you know, Paul, you said something so interesting about that space, and I, I think that, um, you know, you're absolutely right when you say, you know, Mike, this would never have been, and Laura, you said it as well, it would never have been what it was were it not for the actor that we, we had in, that, you know, in Michael. It wouldn't be what it was if we didn't have Eleanor uh, in there coaching him and working through all of this, and Amy each and every night. What happens in the theater and when I say in creating the theater, I'm talking about everybody here. I mean, everybody on all of these tiles. When you come to the theater, you're part of the theater. It does not exist in a vacuum, which is why it's 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 so sad right now. Because we go, as we look down the road, when are we gonna be able to get together? Because theater is, that's what the theater is. It's not the rehearsal process. It's not the, the, the reviews. It's that event that, that happens in real time with real people in the moment. I know you all know that. And none of that can happen without the audience in a live space. It just it just can't. But I wanna say, you know, uh, this was such an extraordinary production and an extraordinary team, everyone included. But I really do wanna put out uh, great kudos to, to Eleanor and Michael and, and Amy. You know, this is how I think about it. It's almost like, if you think about the Beatles, okay, John, Paul, George, and Ringo. Every single one of those guys could have been the star of their own band. That's how amazing those guys were as personalities, as artists, as musicians. And what you had was all of these guys were in one band. And it's very easy to say, well, the sum is, you know, is bigger than the whole of its parts. But here's the deal. Every single part, every piece was magnificent. And it really is true that when you have, because it's a roll of the dice, man. I mean, you when you produce theater, you are rolling the dice every single time. But when you have that kind of synergy going on and people saying yes and working with each other, there is something cosmic that happens when then you put that in front of an audience. And that's what we had with every brilliant thing. And quite frankly, folks, that's what we work on all the time. That's really what we work on. That's what we're trying to do each and every time we come out of the box. And that absolutely happened with, with every brilliant thing. Um, number two, I wanna say, what we have here with every brilliant thing is really not so far from where theater started. You know, most of Western theater is really comes from the, from the Greeks, what we know in, in you know, from Western civilization, theater in Western civilization, the background for it comes from the Greeks for the most part. And the Greeks, long before they were using theater to entertain people on a Saturday night, they use theater as a healing tool for their soldiers who are returning from war. So, I mean, to treat what we know today as PTSD, right? I mean, people, it's not that long ago. We haven't changed that much, right? So, so really, in some ways, with every brilliant thing and how we were able to get, uh, you know, our high school children in there and also adults who, hey, Let's face it, man, there's not too many of us who, who have not been touched by suicide. I mean, you don't have to look far. If you've lived a little longer in life, you, you've been touched by it by some way, shape or form. We all we all have. We could all tell a story about someone we love, someone we know. So in a way, we really have kind of come full circle in this in this um, union that we've created with with Lori and Paul and, you know, Kids Minds Matter. So that that I think is a really neat thing. It's not so foreign, you know, what we what we've done with this. And then number three, and I'll and I'll leave you with it. And I, I I'm gonna jump off because I at four at four thirty I have to get on another call, which will which is actually a good thing because I'm I'm putting a couple of you on the spot with this. Lori and Paul, I think that when children come to the theater, and when 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 young adults, especially that age and even a little younger, they never experience theater like that ever again. There, there, you leave such an impression on a young mind. It's so different uh, even than most adults, you know, as our souls get used up by life. But when you're that age, it's so, so impressionable. 
can we can we partner again in the future, even if it's not a uh, an issue play, but even if it's something, you know, as Laura, you stated, something uplifting, something where we can touch the hearts and minds of these young people, because I think that they are so thirsty for it, even more thirsty than people from my generation were when I was that age. I think they're, that children are even more thirsty for this kind of thing. So um, I, I will, with that, I will, I will leave you. Um, we will bug you on the phone and on email because I know it's a very difficult thing and what you guys, the work that you guys put into this and what Brendan put into this and Jason and Renee and, and all of us, everyone involved, I know it's a big, big push. I know it's a lot of work, but it's, it's work that's, it's worth it. It's worth it because we're, we're doing something that's, that's, not, that's not just noble. I think it's now necessary. And I think that it's it's the right thing to do. And it's something we should continue to do. So I hope and pray that that we can continue this partnership uh, for whatever titles we're looking at and bring more children uh, into the theater. And with that, I have two minutes to get on my call. I'm gonna say, uh, I dishwashed my hands, so I'm allowed to touch my face. <laughs> and uh, love you guys. Thank you for everything. Jason, thank you for all you do with this series. It's a wonderful series. And uh, we're so blessed to the theater. God bless you. Excellent. Thank you, Greg. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, with that, I'll, uh, I'll throw it to the panel. So uh, any final thoughts uh, from Brendan, uh, Lori, uh, Paul, uh, Amy, Eleanor, Michael, any final thoughts from you about this partnership or about this production? Uh, and I'll say uh, before we go how grateful I am that uh, that three weeks of it were able to go on and that we were able to get 200 students in. Uh, so thank you for all of your work to that. Any final thoughts from the panel? I would like to express my gratitude on behalf of the School District of Lee County to Kids Minds Matter and also to the Florida Rep. Um, thank you all for making this happen for our students and all the supporters of this endeavor. We, um, our students were on the receiving end of this gift and we are very grateful to each of you for that. And we look forward to continued opportunities. And so thank you to everybody on this panel. Thank you, Lori. Thanks, Lori. Yeah, I wanna say the same thing. Um, couldn't, couldn't agree more with, uh, with uh, Lori's sentiments. And I, I loved with what Greg had to say. Um, I, you know, I think that, um, you know, continuing this partnership is exactly what we need to do. We'll have conversations, you know, down the road. I think in some ways it's going to be more relevant in the post-COVID period. Um, I think we're all going to emerge from this um, perhaps a little wiser, but also a little bit more traumatized. Um, and so, uh, I, however we partner, how, you know, whatever we talk about, whatever we present, can only be helpful and healing. So uh, I look forward to, you know, uh, you know, subsequent conversations down the road. So anyway, thank you all for 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 everything you've done. It's one. It was wonderful partnership. Of course, thank you, uh, Brendan. Uh, Brendan, any final thoughts from you? Just everything that's been said uh, was just just fantastic. Thank you, thank you. Yep. Excellent, Michael, Eleanor. I. Uh, it's. It's been uh, it's been really neat talking about this play uh, this afternoon. It's been it's been quite a few weeks since we were doing it every night, and it was such a meaningful, transformative experience for me. Uh, I'll never forget it. I don't know what theater looks like on the other side of this, or what even the other side of this is. I miss the theater. I miss all of you. I am looking forward to telling stories again, and I thank you all for the opportunity to do so. Thank you. Excellent, thank you. Eleanor, any final thoughts? Oh, uh, I've been on Zoom hours today. Um, no, I feel like one of the wonderful things that, that Michael created is this appreciation in the room of the audience's creativity and the sense of joy. And I feel it's been even longer for me than Amy or Michael since I left the production. And so it's been so wonderful to sort of re-experience the joy that it brought in terms of this fleeting these fleeting moments of joy were palpable in the theater. So thank you all. Absolutely. Thank you all so very much. 
Uh, well, here we are. We're at the end of another, uh, another hour. I want to thank you all so much for tuning in today uh, on all of the platforms you're tuning in. And thank you to our panel. Uh, thank you so much for taking times out of your busy schedules. I know that there's a lot going on for all of us, and we so appreciate you spending an hour with us. Uh, just a reminder that next week we're having uh, a panel uh, with, uh, with play, playwrights and uh, the executive director of the National New Play Network, Nan Barnett. Uh, Audrey Cephaly, who wrote Alabaster, will be with us. Daryl Fazio, uh, who was the playwright behind uh, Florida Rep's first world premiere, Split in Three, uh, and a number of other play labs. So uh, that'll be next Friday at 3.30. Uh, and we want to thank you all for spending another afternoon with us. Uh, have a great rest of your day. Enjoy whatever happy hour you're going to have uh, after this, and have a great weekend. Thank you all so much for, uh, for joining this stage at home. Thanks, Thanks a lot, Jason. Great yeah. job. Really appreciate it. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Have a good weekend. Bye. Take Cheers. care. Bye.